Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show at GoForItGant on Twitter, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up here in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can hit us up in all different ways. Twitter, the chat room, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Twitter, GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expect it to be joined by Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins. And Malcolm was a signing for the Eagles in the offseason. Eagles need help at the safety position. They signed Malcolm Jenkins from New Orleans, so he will be joining us today. Also, Kurt Coleman of the Minnesota Vikings will be joining us. Kurt uh, played for the Eagles past few seasons, signed with the Vikings in this offseason, and we'll see how many can win for him. Also, Nick Toon of the New Orleans Saints wide receiver, we're going to be talking to him today, Nick Toon, uh, wide receiver. And a lot of people are raving about this guy in terms of what his performance at the mini camp, at the Saints mini camp. A lot of people are talking about how much he's improved, how much of a better player he looks like, uh, how much of a better player he will be in 2014. We're going to talk to Nick about that. And also Tymel Murphy, FIU, Florida International University guard, uh, NFL draft prospect. He went undrafted uh, on Thursday night. But we'll see what is in store for Tymel moving forward, whether or not any team has called him in terms of signing him as a free agent, putting him on his summer league roster, and moving from there. So great show lined up to you. Kirk Coleman, Malcolm Jenkins, Tymel Murphy, and also Nick Toon. So great show. Make sure you stick around. You will enjoy it. I want to start with the NBA draft and, and start with what we saw on Thursday night. Obviously, some surprises. I mean, Wiggins, Parker, and Bede. Not really surprising. Well, I guess there is a level of surprise. Well, coming into the draft, the, 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 it was going to be Wiggins, Parker, and Bede, and no matter what order. It, you know, the, the thing was trying to figure out what order they were going to go. Um, ultimately, because of injury to Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins went first to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and there was talk all up uh, up before the draft and. A few, you know, hours and days 
before the draft of whether or not Cleveland would trade the pick and Philadelphia seemed to be interested in uh, getting that number one pick and they had a lot of interest in Andrew Wiggins. Um, so you had Orlando who had said to be, the, you know, talk was they were interested in trying to get their hands on Andrew Wiggins. And so you weren't, you weren't sure whether or not Cleveland would actually keep the pick at number one. Ultimately, Cleveland decided to keep the pick. They decided to keep the pick, and the pick turned out to be Andrew Wiggins. And they, here's the thing. A lot of people, you know, Wiggins won first, Parker won two, and then ultimately Embiid won three. But a lot of people were, were talking about this draft and whether or not, you know, in terms of who is going to go number one, we knew that it was going to be Parker or Wiggins. But you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, a lot of people have criticized the Sixers for their selection of Joel Embiid at three. And I look at that sixth selection of Joel Embiid at three, and I say the Sixers did a great job of picking Joel Embiid at three. I thought it was a, a good pick for them. I thought it was a solid pick for them. Here's the thing. You're talking about the guy, a guy who was, many believe arguably was the best player in this draft, arguably the best player in this draft. A lot of people thought it was that guy, Joel Embiid. And ultimately, Joel Embiid, went to the Philadelphia 76ers at three. Went to the Philadelphia 76ers at three. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Malcolm Jenkins. We're going to play the first part of our interview with Malcolm Jenkins that we did this week. And then we'll, after that, we'll have Kirk Coleman coming on in the next few minutes. You're listening to Go Forward and Block Talk Radio. Let's bring him in now, safety for the Philadelphia Eagles, Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Malcolm, mini camps are all done. What are some of your early impressions of what you saw from your new team, the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, the, the biggest thing that I was probably most excited about is, is that um, everybody's believing that, that we have something special and We've gotten 100% attendance and 100% effort out of everybody from day one of the off-season program all the way to the last final day. Um, we got better every day. We came out, worked hard, got a lot of reps, um, and nobody really complained. Nobody um, took days off, you know, because most of it's voluntary, but guys came in like it was all mandatory training camp, and we really got a lot out of it. And I think, um, you know, that just that in itself makes you – excited about, you know, our mentality headed into the season. Now, I know it's early, but at this point, do you feel like you have a handle of Billy Davis' defense? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's once you kind of get the rules of it, it's really not complicated. And I, I think over the last two weeks of the offseason, we're really trying to um, figure out, you know, what we can add to it. And I know me and Bill had a few other conversations just about um, how we can tweak our coverages and, and whatever to make it, Player friendly and, and to make sure guys grasp it and get it. So, yeah, we've we've gotten past that part of learning a new defense. Now we're just trying to tailor it to to best fit um, our players. Now the Eagles system is that one of the reasons you chose the Philadelphia Eagles? Is that system conducive to what you do? Right, that was one of the main main factors that brought me there. Um, is I wanted to know how they were going to use me and the way they they have their safeties. There is no true middle of field safety and no box safety. 
Um, both of them are interchangeable. So they just play left and right, and they both are asked to play deep, they're asked to cover receivers, cover tight ends, to blitz. Okay. Um, and, and every year I've, I've had in which I had that kind of role where I was really all over the field, being able to play like that nickel position, cover, play deep, and still pressure the quarterback. That's when I had my best seasons. And um, knowing that they run that kind of defense played a huge factor in the why I came to Philly. We're talking about Eagles safety, Malcolm Jake. Malcolm, I heard you say that you see similarities between the Eagles and your former team, the Saints. Talk about that. Oh, I think uh, there are a lot of differences when you talk about coaching style, when you talk about uh, scheme, you talk about personnel. But the one thing I think is, is common is that um, the coaches, and especially the head coach, believe it, not necessarily in the scheme and and just uh, the best, most talented players. They believe that leadership and the quality of the people that you put in the locker room is what gets you over the hump. You know, we talk about all the time how just your talent alone will get you eight to nine wins, and, um, you know, you stay healthy, that'll get you another couple, but it's that leadership and then just the resolve of the people that you bring in the building to where you don't have those distractions, you don't have – people going astray and thinking that they're bigger than the program, everybody's bought into the same idea, the same goals, and everybody does their best to get there. Um, those are the two similar things that I've seen. And, okay. and um, they're being very successful with that, that mindset and that, that, um, that structure in New Orleans. Um, it's refreshing to see it here. Now, Malcolm, Chip Kelly does things a little different than your average NFL coach. His practices are different. There's a lot of intensity with his practices. You've been on record as saying that Chip works his team harder than anybody else. What did you do in this all season to prepare for that? Uh, to, be, to be honest, there was nothing I could really prepare for. Okay. <laughs> and I got signed in March, and then, uh, you know, not in a few weeks after that, um, you know, we showed up to the off-season program, um, and I really had no idea kind of, you know, I've heard stories and you know, people tell you, but you really don't really get the gist of it until you're in it. Um, but it wasn't too hard to adjust because the way we train in the weight room, the way our meetings and everything is scheduled, everything is just like practice, basically. So okay. the, the way we do our conditioning, it gets you ready for that, that style of practice, that tempo. And then the practices and the tempo in which we practice at gets us ready for the games and how we want the pace in the game to go. So, you know, everything has a reason. Um, so it really wasn't hard to get adjusted to, especially once Chip kind of explained the philosophy behind it. You know, he's not okay. just telling us to go out there and do everything full speed and get all of this and not tell us why. You know, he gives us a reason, and it makes a lot more sense and a lot more guys by him. Now, how about in terms of the nutrition and in terms of the sleep? I, I know Chip wants you guys to get eight-plus hours of sleep on a daily basis. Has that been an adjustment for you? Yeah, it has been, um, but it's it's been it's been crazy to see the results because because he asks so much of us and demands so much of us on the field and from our bodies. Like this is the strongest I've ever been as far as the weight room and as far as the hardest I've lifted and ran and you know amount of reps in the off season. This is the volume is a lot, and when you put your body through that, you you need to recover. So he is like a stickler when it comes to recovery so what you're eating how much you're sleeping what you're getting right after your workouts like massages cold tubs all of that stuff he does a great job of taking care of his players because you know he demands a lot from us so to prevent us from breaking down or getting injuries 
Um, he, he really puts a lot on – he invests a lot in us as far as the recovery stage. So I've been surprised this offseason to see how far I could push my body without, you know, getting hurt or getting injured or getting to that line because he, he does such a good job of taking care of us, making sure that, you know, we're taking care of ourselves and then educating us on, on what we need to do to, to recover properly. What time did you go to bed last night? Uh, last night, see, I, I, my my wife left town, so I was with my daughter. She six months. So <laughs> okay, okay. Last night was a bad night for me. I went to sleep at around eleven. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Eagle safety Malcolm Jenkins and Malcolm. Obviously, you saw this Eagles offense on film. Now you get to see it up close and personal. Has it changed your perspective on this offense at all? Uh, no. You know, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, it, and it's the same impression I had when we played them is that they do a good job of really keeping it simple. It's, it's really not a complicated offense. They take what the defense gives you, and, and basically they're going to put their players in space against your player. And they've got the talent enough to win those matchups more often than not. And um, the pace at which they move is like if you, even if you go three and out for a couple series, they get so many more opportunities that it really doesn't matter. Whereas, you know, most mm-hmm. teams, most offenses are getting – 65 to 75 plays a game, so three three and outs is a big deal to them. Whereas Chip's offense is, average, you know, at, the, at a bad day they're getting 80 plays. So, right. you know, it's, they, they get so many more opportunities, and the pace goes that you know they have a lot more chance of being successful, especially with their players in space versus you know anybody else's. Now in New Orleans, you play with a great one in Drew Brees. You have Nick Foles here, his third season in the league, his, his first year as a full-time starter with the Philadelphia Eagles. You, what, you, what are your impressions of Nick Foles at this point? You know what? He's, um, he's really impressed me this, over this offseason. Um, coming into it, I had a lot of respect for him, cause, you know, but I just saw him as a quarterback who really just didn't make mistakes. And I think everybody mm-hmm. saw that last year when he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. You know, he, he doesn't make those inerrant throws. He doesn't force it. You know, he'll he'll take a sack before he throws an interception, um, which in chip offense is perfect. So, But once I got here, I kind of saw the other things that he's starting to learn to do, like move safeties with his eyes. He's doing all kind of stuff. So me and him have been playing chess all offseason, and we kind of told each other, you know, he, I saw he keyed in on a couple things, and I let him know, and then he started changing it up. So then – you know, me and him had to go back and forth deep into our, our, our bag of tricks <laughs> to, okay. to play against each other. And he's, he's really impressed me because he, he is that cerebral guy where he can read defenses, he can look off safeties, he knows where he wants to go with the ball, who's going to be open, uh, and, and he can tell right away what's going to be open before the play starts. So uh, he's, he's been impressive. Now you look at the Philadelphia Eagles last season, their problem – was on the defensive side of football. Offensively, they were fine. Defense was a problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think they've done enough in this offseason to improve the defense for next season, 2014? I think so, right, definitely. I think um, the biggest thing on defense was um, our pass defense. We finished last in the league, partly mm-hmm. due to philosophy and partly um, just bad plays, but – so we're always a zone team, so our philosophy has always been keep the ball in front of us. So if you're playing everything deep to short, you know, you're not going to give up that big play that's going to score a touchdown. So I don't think they gave up a whole bunch of points, but you'll give up yards because everything is, you know, in front of you. Um, so, you know, those stats are a little leading, but then they did have a lot of 
blown coverages and, and um, misunderstandings in the secondary, and, and that always gets you beat. So the biggest thing is that we want to be able to solidify that secondary and make sure we take a little bit of air out of the coverage, um, that we get rid of those mental errors where we get everybody lined up and on the same page, and then let our pass rush eat because we, we got a really dynamic pass rush and mm-hmm. um, they get pressure on the quarterback. We can stop the run. Um, so it's it's really just solidifying the back end, and I think we got a complete defense. Now, the Giants' Antro role came out a couple weeks ago and said that the Eagles are the third-best team in the NFC East. Your thoughts? <laughs> hey, I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, I do think the Eagles won it last year, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what 2014 has to offer. That's a that's a steep <laughs> drop, uh, but hey, we'll see. You played on a Super Bowl team with the Saints, so you know what a championship team looks like. Do you feel like the Eagles are a legitimate championship caliber team? I mean, right now it's, everything is on paper, and um, on paper I would say yes, just because of the amount of work that we put in, um, the the leadership that we have on the team, the talent that we have coaching. Um, but if you ask. 31 other teams, the same question. I think everybody says yes at this point. If not, I don't know I don't know why they're putting on the cleats. But, um, you know, but we still got a lot more work to do. We still got training camp. We still got preseason games um, and then the season itself. Um, but I definitely think if we can continue to have the focus, the drive that we do every day, day in and day out, and get better and better, I don't see why this team can't be a championship-caliber team. I think we have all the pieces from front office all the way down to your practice squad players. I think everybody has bought into this plan. Everybody's putting in the work, whether it be voluntary, involuntary, everybody's here together, and it's important to the guys. So um, right now I, I don't see why we couldn't be. Now, Malcolm, let me ask you this. You played against the Eagles last season, and last season they had Deshaun Jackson. We all know what he brings to the table. You practiced against the new wide receivers last week. Do you feel like you guys can overcome the production that you got from Deshaun Jackson? Do you feel like you have the talent there at the wide receiver positions? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, um, really, Matthews, the rookie, has really jumped out on the tape. He's somebody I think mm-hmm. is going to be huge for us, and he's he's doing really good. He started with, like, the twos and the threes, and it really stood out, and they started putting him with the first team, and he still had the same production. Uh, we still got a um, healthy Macklin who's running really, really well, um, who's full goal this whole off season. So that's we're excited to have him back. And then Cooper is, is you know, he's been steady. He's, he's a good guy who can make plays down the field. Um, you know, he's been having a good spring as well. So I think we're, you know, obviously, you know, Deshaun and, and the production that he had last year is, is tough to replace. Uh, so it's going to be have to be a group effort. I don't think you replace him with just one guy and, and ask one person to kind of be that same workhorse. I think the entire group has to step up their game. Um, and obviously it's big shoes to fill, but I, I think we're more than capable um, with, with the guys who we have. We're talking to Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins. And, Malcolm, you're doing big things off the field with the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation. Last week you guys had a football camp. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, this is our third annual Next Level Football Clinic. Um, it was free for 400 kids um, in my hometown of Piscataway. It was that's a 20% in, increase of kids than we had last year. Um, so it's, it's it's been continuously growing. 
Um, we had NFL colleagues of mine come through and, and help coach the kids up. Larry Fitzgerald came by. Um, Denny Curry with the Eagles came by. Uh, Brian Robisky, who I played in college with, who's now in the Titans. Dwayne Gratz, who I grew up with, who's now with the Jaguars. And uh, a few other guys who I've known throughout the years uh, came by. Jari Evans from the Saints came through. And they, all, the, all of the older kids got free combine training, so they just got to do their 40s, their broad jumps, vertical jumps, three-cone, agility, all of that stuff, and then as well as get coached up. Um, it, was, it was a huge weekend. Another big thing that we had that was donated is that every campus, all 400 kids, get a free voucher for uh, mm-hmm. baseline concussion tests, which is, you know, obviously been a huge topic nowadays as far as how to how to um, diagnose concussions and to to notice the symptoms. Well, you can't diagnose it unless you have a baseline or something to, to go against. So getting that baseline, I think, is huge when it comes to diagnosing um, concussions properly. So each kid gets a free voucher for that. Um, and we also educated the parents in different seminars and talks about just um, player safety and how they can um, keep their kids healthy, how to notice injuries, how to or the importance of uh, nutrition and hydration when they're working out. Um, so everybody, you know, had a great weekend from the parents to the kids uh, to my to my teammates and, and colleagues. It was it was a fun weekend. Now, Malcolm, you like you said, you said you are from Piscataway. How's it feel, man, to be back in the in the in the tri-state area, if you will? Uh, it's refreshing, you know. I've been in the Midwest and then down south for the last nine years, so uh, to get back um, around family and and kind of on the East Coast has it, really been fun for me for the last couple months. Um, it, it's been really refreshing. I feel like I'm back home. I see a lot of my old high school friends that, that, I, that I still keep in touch with. I've seen them more often, see my family a lot more often. And when I have been, uh, a six-month daughter, you know, my mom and, mom and dad are, are really excited that they get to spend some time with their granddaughter. So right. it's, been, it's been good, especially for, for off the field, just, you know, the quality of life outside of the game. And I'm on your Twitter page at Malcolm Jenkins, and, I'm seeing you, and everywhere I see you, you got the bow ties. What's going on with these bow ties? Yeah, so last off season, one of my uh, many projects was I started my own uh, bow tie company called Rock Avenue Bow Ties. Rock Avenue is a street I grew up off of in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey. And basically, I started wearing bow ties four years ago, four or five years ago, um, kind of as a way to stand out in a locker room where Pretty much everybody can afford to get nice suits and, uh, you know, nice bags and everything. So my way of staring out was wearing bow ties. And that turned into sort of an obsession. <laughs> and last year, my wife, um, I was complaining about not being able to find bow ties that kind of represented my style and everything. Most of them were mostly, like, traditional and things you see everywhere. I wanted something different. I couldn't find it. And my wife just said, hey, make your own. And that snowballed to me starting my own company. So it's been um, one of my projects I've really enjoyed learning about because, you know, we're starting from the ground up, so I'm learning about the fashion industry and learning about owning your, owning your own business and how that goes. And it's been it's been taking off pretty well. we got a lot of good responses. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm still wearing bow ties and still doing what I love to do. <laughs> Fans, make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Malcolm Jenkins. Make sure you support his bow ties, rockavenuebowties.com, and also make sure you support his foundation, the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation. 
org. Malcolm, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck during the season. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Malcolm Jenkins, safety for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Malcolm, I mean, obviously, you know, some people in the Philadelphia area wanted the Jarius Bird, wanted that big-time safety. We'll see what Malcolm Jenkins can do. Safety was a big issue for the Philadelphia Eagles last season. So we'll see what Malcolm Jenkins and, and what he brings to the table for the Philadelphia Eagles should be interesting coming into the season. The Eagles definitely need help on the defensive side of football, and that's what we talked about with Malcolm. That was one of the things that held that Eagles football team back was their inability to stop people on a consistent basis. So we'll see what happens next season, Malcolm Jenkins, Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you, Malcolm Jenkins, for stopping by. NBA draft. And, you know, we we saw the NBA draft this past week. Very interesting. Very interesting in some of the things that we saw. I mean, just truly interesting. And, you know, the, the ratings tell you that. The ratings tell you that a lot of people watch the NBA draft, the highest-rated draft on ESPN since 2003. So, you know, a lot of people were intrigued by what could happen. And the most intriguing story I had, I had to say was, was Joel Embiid and where he would go. Ultimately, he would land with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagle, not the Eagles, Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers took a gamble on him. They took a gamble on him. And it's obviously a gamble. The guy had issues with his back. Now he has the, the broken foot. So the Eagles, the Sixers, I should say, I'm getting my Philadelphia teams all mixed, mixed up. But the Sixers took a gamble on this guy, and they, they believe that he can still play. He can play in this league, and ultimately he will recover and be fine. Time will be the judge of that. Obviously it's a risk, but they took a risk last season with Norland's Noel, and Noel tore his ACL, but ultimately he's cleared and he's ready to go. He's ready to come back this year. We'll see what kind of player he'll be. People have overcome this injury. People have overcome the foot injury. People have done it, the navicular bone in the foot. It's been broken by Michael Jordan. He's overcome it. Now we know we got other stories. Yao Ming didn't work out too well for him. Bill Walton didn't work out too well for him. Kurt Thomas was able to recover. So, you know, this is an injury that you can recover from. This is an injury that you can be fine from. And you look at the Philadelphia Eagles over the past, Sixers over the past two seasons, you look at the Sixers over the past two seasons, Noel, he was a guy that easily could have been a number one pick and probably would have been a number one pick if he doesn't get hurt. And then now, Joel Embiid, who was going to be the number one pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers if he didn't get hurt. And so the Philadelphia 76ers, they're in rebuild mode. And, you know, they, they get Sarge, the international guy, the Euro, they get Sarge, and, you know, obviously Sarge signed with a Turkish team, so he might not be over until, not next, not this year, but the following year, at the earliest. That's at the earliest. Could be another year. But the Philadelphia 76ers are planning and for the future. The future in Philadelphia isn't now. The future is truly the future. And so from that standpoint, I get what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. As the Philadelphia 76ers fan, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with losing. Because one thing I don't want my team to be is just like the Atlanta Hawks, a, a team that's middle of the road, a team that's good enough to make the playoffs, but a team that you know 
and know and know that has no shot of winning an NBA title. No shot. No shot. Good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to be a contender, a legitimate contender. You don't want to be that. That's no man's land. That's no man's land. There's no fun with that. There's no fun in, in, in going to the playoffs and losing in the first round. So you've got to take chances. You've got to take risks. You've got to take risks. And a lot of talk before the draft on whether or not the Philadelphia 76ers would take or try to trade up with the Cavaliers to take Andrew Wiggins. I was okay with it if, if Sam Hinkie and Brett Brown and the 76ers organization felt like this guy, Andrew Wiggins, was a stud and a star and you needed to have him, then I was okay with the team giving up the three, the ten, and number 32 to get him. I was okay with all that. And that was the report that they were willing to give up number three, ten, and 32 in order to get Andrew Wiggins. I was okay with that if that's what you're going to do. I was fine with it. It was all good to me. It was all good. I was fine with it. had no problem whatsoever with the Philadelphia 76ers doing that and going that route. None. I had no problems with the 76ers going the route if they felt like, if they felt like uh, Andrew Wiggins was their guy and they needed to have him. I had no problem with the 76ers doing just that, and that is trading three, trading 10, and trading 32 in order to get their hands on him, especially if you feel like he's a franchise guy. But they stayed pat at three, stayed pat at 10, and ultimately they chose their guys. Well, ultimately they chose uh, Peyton out of Louisiana Lafayette and Eldrick Peyton, Alfred Peyton, I should say. And they, they chose him and then traded him to Orlando, able to get his pick back, their pick uh, that they had out there, able to get that back, and able to get Sarge, a guy who many believe could be a star, could be a very good player when he comes back or decides to come over to the NBA. So the 76ers, as far as I'm concerned, taking over. Here's the thing. Scared money doesn't make money. And the Philadelphia 76ers, weren't scared. And, and you know, greatness sometimes takes great risks. Great risks, great rewards. That's what the Philadelphia 76ers did. They took a risk. They took a chance. They took a chance. And, and they felt like Joel Embiid and Noel may be able to play together ultimately and, and can be a successful tandem for years to come. 21st, um, I guess, the, the Akeem Olajuwon Sampson model. They believe that Embiid reminds, Embiid reminds many of Akeem Olajuwon, so maybe he could be Akeem the Dream. Maybe he could be that guy. I don't know. But the bottom line is the Philadelphia 76ers are thinking about the future, and the future is definitely the future in Philadelphia because none of these guys – uh, Embiid probably won't play this year. I'd be shocked if he plays this year. Expected to be out four to six months. I'd be shocked if he plays this year. I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but there's no rush. What's the rush? You let the guy take his time. 
Make sure the back is right. Make sure the foot is completely right and ready to go. Because, again, the Sixers aren't prepared to win right now. Here's the thing. I mean, maybe Embiid and, and Noel don't, aren't able to play well together. Maybe they're, this year, maybe they're the version of uh, uh, Chandler and Eddie Curry. Maybe they're the Tyson Chandler Eddie Curry. And that, was a, that wasn't, really didn't work out too well in Chicago, Chandler and Curry. That tandem really wasn't that good together. Ultimately, Curry got a little better, and ultimately Chandler would become a very good center in this league. But that wasn't while they were together. That's when they were apart. That's when they were apart. So, Noel and B could be Samson and Olajuwon, could be Robinson and Duncan, or it could be Chandler and Eddie Curry. Possibility. But the, the bottom line is, you got to take chances. You got to take chances. I, I thought the Sixers really wanted Andrew Wiggins. Reports are they really wanted Andrew Wiggins. But at the end of the day, they, I mean, Cleveland either was not willing to give up the pick or what the Sixers were offering wasn't enough. But it should be interesting to see how the 76ers and their plan works out, to see how the Embiid and Noel tandem plays together. I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm interested to see how that thing works out. I'm not saying it's def- definitively going to work out. I can't say that for sure, but it's always a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. And these two guys, again, have talent. They have ability. Will translate to the NBA. Time will tell. Looking at looking and continue to look at this NBA draft, I mean, Cleveland, obviously, they took Andrew Wiggins. And as a Sixers fan, I wanted Andrew Wiggins. I felt like, I mean, a guy, to me, has a lot of upside, a lot of upside. I mean, it may not be that great. It may turn out to be nothing. But I doubt that. I mean, I saw that workout. There was a video of his workout, and he was able to dribble the basketball, his dribbling ability. He has a decent jump shot, solid defender, you know, crazy athleticism. But we'll see if that translates on the next level. But Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland, they did the right thing. I mean, I, I think they did the right thing, especially if the offers that they were getting from other teams they didn't like. I mean, I, I think he's the guy, I think, with the – MB has a lot of upside, but you can see, I mean, you can, it's a toss-up between MB and Wiggins. Who has the most upside? Who has the most upside? But obviously these guys, those two players, MB and Wiggins, tremendous upside. And, and Jabari Parker was the guy that everybody says, okay, you pencil him in, he's a guy who's going to be a solid pro right away. He's one of those guys that's going to be a solid pro right away. It's going to give you instant impact, instant scoring. He's going to be instant. He's going to be instant. And that's the thought process when you're talking about when you're talking about Jabari Parker. Instant offense. He's going to come in and give you instant points, come in and be an instant solid pro. That's the talk when you talk about Jabari Parker. And, you know, he went to Milwaukee, and he wanted to go to Milwaukee. Not too many people say that. He wanted to go to Milwaukee. He wanted to play with the Bucks. He wanted that. That's nearby his hometown, Chicago. So it makes sense that he would want to be with Milwaukee. You know, just looking at other parts of this draft, I mean, the Miami Heat, 
they got their guy. And I'm going to get to that later in the show. But, you know, they got their guy, Napier, Shabazz Napier. And obviously he had a great run in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, he's not the savior. But we'll, we'll talk about that moving forward. But, you know, I think one also one of the things that was intriguing about this draft was the possibility, was what's going on outside the draft in terms of free agency. What's going on in terms of LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Bosh and Wade, what they're going to do, and Kevin Love, and that intrigue. I think all those other things is what makes this draft very interesting. I think what's made people very interested in this draft. The ratings will tell you that. When we come back, we're going to switch gears back to the National Football League. Nick Toon will be joining us. You're listening to Go Forward on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean it. anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's holy. That's not Roxy. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, we're going to bring in a guy now who's a lot of people are talking about this guy. He had an impressive minicamp for the New Orleans Saints, Nick Toon. He, and this is a guy a lot of people believe is going to make an impact for the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton expects a bigger role for him. So we'll see what happens in the 2014 season. Let's bring him in now, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Nick Toon. Nick. Hey, guys. How you doing? How are you, man? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, Thanks. Go ahead. Oh, just doing well. I'm getting ready for uh upcoming season. Uh, you know, we're we're really excited about, you know, our opportunity this season. And uh, like you said, you know, had a great, uh, great offseason, great start, um, you know, coming into the season and looking forward to training camp and, uh, getting everything rolling uh, for for the upcoming season. Now let's talk about your mini camp. A lot of people were saying how how well you did. Talk about that. Talk about what you did. Yeah, you know, my my goal this year was just uh, to improve off off of last year. You know, I, I think uh, you know even last season. You know, I think I, I had a good off season. Uh, you know, coming into to the season last year, and you know, my goal this year was to just improve off what I did last year. Uh, you know, work on um, you know work on my craft, uh, work on, you know, being just being consistent, uh, you know, developing the, the chemistry and, and trust with, with Drew um, and, uh, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, continue to, to develop the trust and uh, consistency so that, you know, the coaching staff uh, can depend on me. And, uh, you know, I think, think that I, I definitely uh, uh, did a good job with that this off season, and, you know, we'll continue to build on that, um, you know, going into training camp and, and throughout the season. Now, we talked about how sharp you looked during many camps. How about the team? How sharp was the team? How did the team look during many camps? You know, I, I think we look great. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a long road. 
uh, you know, to the season. Uh, you know, that's what, what mini camp and, and OTAs and, and training camp and all that stuff is for. But, you know, we have a great group of guys, uh, a lot of talent, uh, now, a lot of young talent. You know, I think we had a great draft, and, you know, I think we have a, have a great um, group of guys in, in place. Um, and, you know, I, I know we're all excited, you know, about the upcoming season. And obviously you want to make a bigger impact with the Saints uh, this season. Did you do anything different in the off season? Did you change your off season approach? No, I, I didn't do anything different. Uh, you know, I did the same things I did uh, coming into the season last year. Um, last year I felt great. Felt like I had a you know great training camp, great off season, and you know, so I stuck with the same plan and um, just tried to, to replicate what I did last year. And uh, you know, I think uh, the, the coaches took notice and. Um, you know, continue to, to try to work on, like I said, just being consistent, going out there, making plays, and, uh, you know, just doing my job, you know, going out there and, you know, catching the ball and, um, you know, trying to trying to make things happen. We're talking to Saints wide receiver Nick Toon. And, Nick, you had some struggles last season. The last two seasons you had some struggles. But you called those struggles a learning experience. What did you learn? Yeah, oh, you know, I mean, you know, no season is going to be perfect. Uh, you know, I unfortunately had – uh, you know, I had to get, uh, you know, some, some injury stuff taken care of my first year. And then, uh, you know, last season, uh, you know, it was kind of essentially really was, was my, you know, first year out there playing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, going out there um, and, and, and trying to, to learn from, from, from everything that you do. You know, uh, you know, my first year, you know, when I wasn't able to play, you know, I tried to, to take advantage of that, that time and uh, work on, uh, the mental aspect of the game because, you know, I couldn't physically be out there playing, you know, try to learn the playbook and, you know, the, the little nuances of our, our playbook and, you know, the NFL game uh, as much as I could. Uh, and then last season just tried to build off that, uh, you know, physically, you know, just get back into, to, you know, playing football and, uh, you know, playing fast and just, just getting out there and um, doing what I do. Um, and, you know, like like I keep saying, I'm really excited about this upcoming season, you know, I, I know it's going to be a great one, and uh, you know, had a, had a great start to things this off season, and you know, looking forward to uh, the training camp. Now, Sean Payton has been on record as saying that he expects a bigger role for you next season. With that being said, where do you see yourself in this offense? You know, uh, it, you know, my my job is just to go out there and, and do what I'm asked. Uh, you know, by by coaching staff. You know, I, I wish wish I had the answers to that, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, that that's up to the coaching staff, and you know, whatever's asked of me, I'm I'm more than happy to go out there and and make it happen. But you know, definitely hoping to get a little bit more involved this year and uh, go out there and, and make plays and, and help us win. We're talking to Saints wide receiver Nick Tunin. During the off season and throughout your career, how much have you relied on your father, the great Al Tune, to help you become a better player? How much have you you sought out his advice? Uh, definitely, you know, uh, clearly, you know, he's he's a great resource. You know, not a lot of people have uh, the opportunity to have a resource as, as uh, you know, as good as him. Um, he's He's been extremely helpful, um, uh, you know, in all aspects of my game. You know, he clearly, you know, was very successful and, you know, knows a lot of things that, uh, you know, people don't know just, you know, based on uh, experience. But, you know, he's 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 been a great help to me. Uh, you know, throughout my whole career, and, you know, very fortunate to have him as, uh, you know, as a resource. I want to ask you about uh, your father for a moment. I know he's had some issues with concussions. With that being said, 
did you think twice about playing football at all, or it, it really didn't matter? You were you wanted to play football. You wanted to be out. No, there. no, not at all. You know, un- unfortunately, uh, you know, injury is a part of the game. You know, concussion is part of injury. You know, it's, it's a violent game. It's a rough game. Uh, but you know, that's one of the reasons that um, it's it's loved by many, and you know, it, it's fun to play. But you know. Uh, unfortunately, that's part of the game, but you know that's not something you can think about. You know, you got to go out and play. You know, if something happens, it happens. You know, you heal up and uh, you know get back out there. But um, you know, you can't can't really think about that stuff. How is your father? He's doing well. Uh, recently, purchased a uh, landscaping company um, here locally okay. in Madison, uh, Olson Two Landscaping. So uh, he's he's pretty busy with that. You know. Um, he, uh, you know, works. That's that's really essentially his, his full-time job now. Uh, a little bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, he has his, his hand in some other things, but um, and he's pretty busy with his, his landscaping business uh, here in Madison. And uh, you know, he's healthy, doing well. Uh, family and you know, the rest of my family is, is is doing great. Now, let me ask you about your team, the Saints. Last season, you look at the New Orleans Saints. These guys, they're, they're world beaters at home. Totally different team. And then you go on the road and the team is, is not the same for whatever reason. Why do you think that's the case? You know, that's that's a hard question to answer. Um, but, you know, it's 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 tough to play on the road. Uh, you know, it's it's uh you know, it's a tough game. Um and you know it's it's just it's tough to play on the road. You know, hopefully you know we can we can uh you know improve off of, of what we did last year but you know it's uh you know it's it's just it's just tough. But you know you just gotta go out there and compete and uh you know uh, prepare to win and, you know, go out there and, and, and try to take care of business. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of athletes, you know, a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches in this league. Um, and, you know, uh, as much as we we would like to win every Sunday, you know, uh, that, that's not usually not the case. But, you know, uh, always always optimistic going into the game. But, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's not always the case. But, you know, like, like I said, we have a great squad. We have a great Great coaching staff, and you know, very optimistic about the upcoming season. So, you expect the Saints this year to make a lot of noise? Uh, yeah, you know, we have we have the talent. You know, we we have the players, we have the coaching staff, we have the ownership. You know, we just gotta uh, you know have a great training camp. You know, in, in my opinion, I think we had a great off season, great start to things, and um, you know, uh, prepared. You know, prepare well this off season. We just gotta go into training camp, get ready to go. Um, and, and come out ready to roll um, during the season. But, you know, I, I uh, have faith in, in our ability to uh, to make some noise this year. We're talking to Saints wide receiver Nick Tuna. Nick, this is your third season in the National Football League. Do you look at this season as a make-or-break year for you? I think every year is a make-or-break year, you know, for everybody. Uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this league. You know, there's a lot of great players, uh, you know, current players and, and, and you know, players in, in college. You know, come in every year, and you know, players from from uh, wherever. You know, there's players from 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 all types of different places that come into the league every year. So, you know, every year is a make or break uh, year. You know, you got to go out there and and uh, you know prove that you can still do what you can do um, every year. Now, you told me off air that you are in Wisconsin at Russell Wilson's uh, football camp. How is it out there? It's nice. Uh, about 80, 80 degrees and sunny. Uh, we were supposed to get some rain today, but uh, the rain has held off so far. Uh, the kids are having fun. There's about 420 kids, I think, out here. So it's a pretty large group, uh, all, all age groups. And, uh, you know, it's always always fun to come out and, uh, you know, help help teach these kids about, you know, this, this wonderful game. 
Now, uh, does Russell Wilson have a different type of swagger now? I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Russell, Russell, Russell's still Russell. Uh, he just he just has a little bit more hardware on on the hand. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nick, I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Nick Toon on Twitter? Uh, Twitter handle is uh, Nick Toon, uh, spelled N-I-C-K, the number two, O-O-N. Uh, that's my, uh, my my tag on Twitter as well as Instagram. So uh, feel free to connect with me on on either uh, on either uh, Instagram or Twitter. Also, fans, make sure you go to his website, nicktoon.com. That's Nick N I C K T. I mean, two, two excuse me, O O N dot com. Nicktoon.com. Nick, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Who that? <laughs> Take care. All right. Nick Toon, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, giving us a little who that before we get up out of here. I mean, Nick Toon, a lot of people are talking about him. A lot of people are talking about him and talking about the type of minicamp he had. I mean, he had a very solid minicamp. A lot of people were impressed by what they saw out of Nick Toon during Saints minicamp. And the Saints, you know, this is an opportunity for Nick. I mean, Nick in his third year, and I know he said it's not a do-or-die year for him, but this is a year, I think, where he has to to, to to make an impact on the Saints roster. And a lot of people think he will make an impact this year for the New Orleans Saints. We shall see. Should be interesting. And the thing about it, these guys now, after minicamp, they're kind of just, you know, enjoying their time, enjoying a little bit of summer that they have left. And, and from there, you know, they go into training camp. You know, end of the month into August, end of July, I should say, into August, you know, you start your training camp preseason, and pretty much you start your season. You start your year at that point in time. So this is an opportunity for a lot of guys in the NFL to relax, a lot of guys in the NFL to, to you know, enjoy, enjoy some vacation time and, and prepare themselves for the upcoming NFL season. Pleasure talking to Nick Toon as he prepares for the upcoming NFL season, which is right around the corner. Uh, you know, it's close. It's close. I mean, we got – Football, a.k.a. soccer, out there right now. But I can't wait till real football happens. I can't wait till, to, 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 to see some hitting, to see the pair some pads. I, I can't wait for all that. And it should be exciting, uh, another exciting NFL season, just like every single NFL season for that matter. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, I mean, Warren Moon criticized Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, for his, some of his off-the-field things. Some of his partying, some of his, you know, uh, you know, having a good time. He's basically pretty, pretty much having a good time. You know, Joe Montana's talked about it. Emmett Smith has talked about it. Um, Warren Moon as well. Uh, I think, you know, here's the thing with Johnny Mantell. I mean, he is young, and his off time is his, is his off time. And I think a lot of people, you know, we work 40 hours a week, 9 to 5, you know, our off time is our off time. I mean, we don't want to be told what to do with our off time and how we should spend our off time. As long as we're not breaking any type of laws, as long as we're doing the right things, I don't think, you know, anybody will want anybody. I mean, I don't think my, you will want your boss to tell you, hey, you can't be in the club tonight. Hey, you can't go to the bar tonight. Hey, what's going on with your Instagram account? Take that stuff off your Instagram. Take that stuff off your Twitter account. What's going on? I mean, no people, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And, and Johnny Mandel, I think most of us, if we're 21 years old, have some money in our pocket, 
well, yes, we would be out and about having a good time. Of course we would be out and about having a good time. He's having a good time, man. He's living his life. But, again, every time I talk about this situation, it comes back to this. Perception is reality. How you are perceived is how people believe you are, fair or unfair. And I look at the whole situation with Manziel, and as far as I'm concerned, yes, he's entitled to have a good time. Yes, he should be out and about. Yes, if he wants to spend his money how he wants to spend his money, he should do it, as long as it's not crazy. I mean, as long as he's not hurting anybody. It's his money, his life. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him live the life that he wants to live, if that's what he wants to do. I have no problem with that man doing that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have no problem with it. But like we said before, like I said before, perception is reality. So how you are perceived is how people believe you truly are. So with all that being said, you might have to tone it down a little bit, uh, Johnny. You, you, I mean, maybe you could find a Here's the thing. If this doesn't get on Instagram or Twitter... Did it doesn't really happen. Is it almost like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, did the tree really fall? Because that's what it, that's what it comes down to here. Because if Manziel is in the club and no one takes a picture of it, well, guess what? We wouldn't even know that he was in the club. If Manziel is partying and at pool parties with girls and having money and you know, playing with money and putting money to his ear and things of that nature, if he had all these things, and if and if it didn't get on Instagram or Twitter, would we even know that it happened? No. We don't even know what happened, that it happened. None of us. None of us know that. If he's doing all these things, but it's not on his Twitter and not on his Instagram, we don't even know what happened. We don't even know what happened. And the story is kind of much to do about nothing, but at the same time, considering that it's Johnny Mantell, it is something. It is a story. It is a story. And I don't think he is doing anything wrong. And he said that. Quote, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. Everybody on the weekend goes out and enjoys their life just for them. They don't have people that when they walk into a place, pull out their phone, and all they want to do is follow me around and record everything. My situation is unique and different now more than ever. And I'm going to stop right there. Because your situation is unique and different, you, gotta have, you're, you, you may have to do unique and different things because your situation calls for it. It's not fair. It's, it's truly not fair. But your situation is your situation. It's your situation. And quite frankly, it's not a bad situation because a lot of people would love to be in your situation. A lot of people would. And so the thing is, maybe Johnny Menzel is big time in his playbook. Maybe Johnny Menzel... It's, it's studying hard. Maybe Johnny Menzel is doing all the things necessary to become a big-time NFL quarterback in this league. 
doing all the things necessary to become a big-time NFL quarterback. Maybe he's doing that. Maybe he is. And the thing is, I hope he is. But a lot of people are seeing Instagram and, and, and Twitter, and they're making judgments and assumptions about the guy. It's definitely not fair. And most of us would be doing it if we were Johnny Manziel. Most of us, if we were 21 years old with money in our pocket, would be doing it. We would be out and about. We would be chasing this one and that one. We would be doing all those different things. Most of us would if we had Johnny Manziel money. Most of us would. And so... With that being said, I can't knock him for being out and about. I can't. But what I can do and what I can say is maybe he does need to tone it down. Maybe not. Maybe. I think definitively, definitely, he needs to tone it down. But And I'm not saying, here's the thing, the way he can tone it down and it's difficult in, in the 21st century. It's difficult with social media. It's difficult with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's difficult to tone it down. I mean, it's difficult to, to, to tone it down in some respect because no matter where you go, everybody has a phone with a camera. Everybody. And everybody, for the most part, I don't want to say everybody has a Facebook, but there's a good amount of people that have a Facebook. There's a good amount of people that have a Twitter account. There's a good amount of people that have an Instagram account. Good amount of people. So, with that being said, you could take a picture instantly. If I'm out and about in a club and I see Johnny Manziel and I take a picture, guess what? I can instantly post that on Twitter. I can instantly post that on Facebook. I can instantly post that on Instagram. Instantly. And guess what? ESPN takes it. We have a story. We have a story. TMZ takes it, and we have a story. It's just that simple. It's that simple. And so with that being said, as much as it is unfair, no matter how unfair it is, Johnny Mantell does need to tone it down. Or he needs to find a place where he can go where, you know, Cameras are off, you know, where, 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 where camera phones are, are off limits. Well, so he needs to find a place to go, but I don't know if there's a place out there that exists unless he's doing things in his own private home, doing things in his private home and, 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 and you know, confiscating phones of people coming into it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he can do. So I think he has to adjust. And adjusting means maybe going out less. Maybe establishing yourself as a big-time NFL quarterback. And then in the process, after establishing yourself, then go to Hollywood route. Then, you know, and what I mean by the Hollywood, Hollywood route is, you know, then be out and about and, and, and be at parties and, and, and hang out with Drake and, and those guys, and do those type things. Do those type of things once you establish yourself as an NFL quarterback because at this point, you're a backup quarterback. 
your backup in this league at this point, and it could change. Maybe he has a big-time preseason. Maybe Brian Hoyer stinks in the preseason. Menzel has a big-time preseason. And then maybe he becomes a starter week one. Maybe. So I think the big key is for Johnny Menzel is that he has to tone it. He does have to tone it down. It's not fair, but he has to do it. He has to do it. And do it for a period of time. I'm not saying do it is forever, Johnny, because you have some time. Do it for a period of time. You know, calm it down, turn it down, and then after you turn it down, you know, you go on the football field, hopefully you make some plays, hopefully you are a successful quarterback, then you start enjoying the fruit, then you start going back out. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. This is your life. It's not fair, but it's your life. And you have to adjust. And as our mamas and our daddies used to always say to us, son, daughter, life isn't fair. And Johnny Menzel, life isn't fair. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Second hour of Go For It, starting right now in this hour, we're expected to be joined by former FIU guard Tymel Murphy. Um, Tymel was an NFL NBA draft prospect. Uh, he didn't get drafted, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what his next move is. Maybe his next move is hopefully for him an invite to a team so he can be on somebody's summer camp, uh, summer league roster, or, or maybe overseas for him. But we'll see. We'll talk to Tymel about that. Hopefully... We were supposed to be joined by Kirk Coleman of the Minnesota Vikings in the first hour. Hopefully we can get him on in this second hour. Hopefully we can get him in in the second hour and, and see where we can take it from there. But we'll see. We're, we're trying to work on Kirk Coleman for the second hour. I want to go to, to the, to back to the NBA draft. I want to go to Shabazz Napier. And obviously he had a big-time tournament run. A big-time tournament run. I mean, he really had a big run for uh, UConn. And UConn came out of nowhere. No one expected the UConn Huskies to win the national championship last season, at least going into the tournament. Not many expected that. And Napier had a Kemble Walker-type run for the UConn Huskies, and ultimately he got UConn to the national championship game, and ultimately he got UConn a national title. And so his stock rose. His stock rose big time. Big time. And in the midst of his stock rising, LeBron James gives him some love. LeBron James gives him a lot of love. Gives him a lot of love. And from there, you know, you got the sense, and everybody got the sense, even going into this draft, the Miami Heat would go after Shabazz Napier. And here's the tweet. 
Back on June 26, LeBron James tweets out, my favorite player in the draft, Napier. Napier, his favorite player in the draft. And here's the thing. And, you know, so the Heat ultimately make a deal with the Bob, uh, not the Bobcats, the Hornets now, and ultimately they find a way to get their hands on Shabazz Napier. But here's the thing. I know, you know, Mario Chalmers had an awful NBA final. I know he had an awful NBA final. He did. There's no getting around that. He did. He was bad. But here's the thing. Coming out of Kansas, I mean, you know, Chalmers, just like Napier, had a pretty good tournament run, and just like Napier put his team, you know, helped his team win a national title. Also, and I know Chalmers may cost more than Napier going into the next season, and the Heat have to watch their dollars, especially if they want to upgrade that roster. And as we saw in the NBA Finals, the Heat need an upgrade. They need upgrades. They need upgrades if they want to win an NBA title moving forward. But with that being said, I mean, just the talk I'm hearing on social media from various people, it's, it's almost like Shabazz Napier is, is some kind of savior. I mean, I know LeBron James loves the guy, but, you know, he's okay. I, I don't expect him to come into the NBA and be a world beater. I don't expect that. I don't expect that. I look at Napier. And he's solid, decent defender, shoot, he's solid, definitely solid. And LeBron, April 7th, told this and said this about Napier. He tweeted out, no way you take another PG in the lottery before Napier. No way, according to LeBron James. No way. So the Miami Heat got LeBron James his guy. But is he that much of an upgrade? over Mario Chalmers? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Because say what you want about Mario Chalmers, but he's done pretty much everything that's been asked of him during, this, during these four years, during this big three era. He's pretty much done everything asked of him. Whether, you know, he's hit some big shots throughout the course of this run. Big shots. Hit some big shots in college as well. But he, other than this year, and it all fell apart, and it fell apart, it came crashing down very hard on Shabazz Napier, big time. I mean, he was awful. I mean, not Napier, uh, Chalmers. He was awful. I, I can't say anything else but that. He was awful. And he, he picked the worst time to be awful because now he's a free agent. So he picked the worst time, the worst moment to be bad. He picked the worst time to be bad, and he was awful. But my point is this. Is Napier going to be that much better? Is Shabazz Napier going to be that much better than Mario Chalmers? He'll be probably be cheaper, but is he going to be better? Not so sure about that. Not so sure. At least not right away. I'm not so sure about that. I really don't. Really not. I'm really not too sure about that. So we'll see. But anyway, you look at the Miami Heat and uh, Rick Buecher 
he reported yesterday that a sign-and-trade was imminent between the Heat and the Toronto Raptors for Kyle Lowry. Ultimately, uh, Buker retracted that report. But the, the point is, obviously, it seems that the Heat do have some interest in Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry has said that he wants to play for a winner, wants to play for a championship. But, you know, so obviously that's where the Heat, the Heat may have Lowry on their radar. They may have Kyle Lowry on their radar. They probably do. And Udonis Haslam, speaking of the Miami Heat, has opted out. So maybe he's going to take less as well. And we'll see what happens with Bosch and Wade and what they're going to do. D. Wade's owed about over $40 million in the next two years. So, and I know a lot of people are talking maybe Dwayne Wade takes a deal spread out, maybe four years, $50 million, something along those lines, spread out over four years. Maybe he does something like that. Maybe that's his intention. Who knows? But they got it. Here, no matter what happens, you know, obviously LeBron James is the key. LeBron James has to come back. And, you know, judging by getting Napier, a guy that LeBron James really wanted and loves, you get the sense that, and I know there's been reports that the big three have met. So you're getting the sense that maybe LeBron is going to ultimately and you know go back to the Miami Heat. But I will say this, if he is going to go back to the Miami Heat, he's going to need a level of help. He's going to need some reinforcement. Because I don't know how much your guy, your X Factor, Dwayne Wade, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I, I don't know. I mean, what I saw in the NBA Finals on both sides, on both ends, defensively and offensively, I saw a guy who was a different player, was a, you know, wasn't the same guy. Definitely wasn't the same guy. I saw this on Facebook. I know some people have compared um, uh, Deion Waiters to uh, Dwayne Wade and called him basically a poor man's Dwayne Wade. Well, at this point, Dwayne Wade is a poor man's Dwayne Wade. I mean, he is a poor man's Dwayne Wade at this point. He is. He is, and, and I'm not sure it's going to get better. So with that being said, the Miami Heat have to find, in my mind, a number two guy. They have to find a number two guy. They have to. And whether that's Melo, whether that's a Kyle Lowry, and I'm not sure, I guess Kyle Lowry may not be the number two guy per se, but he's definitely an upgrade over Mario Chalmers is an upgrade over anything that you have at the point guard position. I mean, Kyle Lowry had a very good season for the Toronto Raptors and was one of the reasons that the Toronto Raptors made it to the playoffs. He was one of the reasons. Obviously, he's an upgrade for the Miami Heat. There's no doubt about that. But my question is, how much of an upgrade? And I think it's a big upgrade, but is it enough? Is it enough? isn't enough to get them over the top, isn't enough for them to beat the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series or OKC or anybody else in the Western Conference for that matter. It's a lot easy, easier, I should say, to do, do it big in the Eastern Conference. Very hard to do it out West. And in Miami Heat, if they, if they brought back the big three theoretically without anybody else, they probably could still make it to the NBA Finals, depending 
on where Carmelo Anthony goes, and we'll see where Melo goes. Uh, Chicago seems to be a, a destination for Melo, but we'll see. We'll see. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by Ty Mel Murphy, FIU guard, Florida International, former Florida International guard, and we're going to talk to him about his plans after the NBA draft. You're listening to Go Forward on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't see mean it. anything when the playoffs come. When the playoffs come, it doesn't true. mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You're, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. Right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, NBA draft was Thursday. Uh, you know, some people, a lot of people's names were called. A lot of people were excited. A lot of people uh, enjoyed it. A lot of people enjoyed the NBA draft. The NBA draft, a lot of big-time ratings, a lot of intrigue. And we're going to talk to a guy who, unfortunately, was not drafted, but not the end of the world because we've seen – a lot of players throughout the course of the NBA be successful without being drafted. Let's bring him in now, former FIU guard, Ty, Ty Mel Murphy. Trying to get him on now. Having some little, little issues, but we'll get him on in a second. But obviously, you know, you look at Ty Mellon, and obviously everybody wants to be drafted. Everybody wants to hear their name. But the reality of it in the NBA is it doesn't happen all the time. But it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world, and you're able – I mean, you know, you look at Carl uh, Landry, who carved out a decent career for himself. He was a guy who won undrafted. Trying to get him up now, having a little technical difficulties. Ty Mellon just holds the line. Just trying to get you up now. Tamel. Yeah. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Sorry about that. What's going on? What's going on? Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. No problem. Tamel, unfortunately, your name was not called on Thursday night. But at this point, have you been in contact with any NBA teams? Uh, I, um, well, you know, my agent, uh, my agent is really, uh, working for me. Um, I haven't personally gotten into contact with any NBA teams, but my agent is working for me and I'm just in the gym every day working hard, just like, you know, like any other day of mine, you know, just working hard and staying ready for, for what's next. Now, before the NBA draft, did you work out with any teams? No, I actually didn't work out with any teams. I actually was just uh, training out in New York City at, at the um, at the okay. Carmelo Anthony Gym in Manhattan. So I was just preparing myself, you know, for um, for, for what's next. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get into any NBA workouts um, 
you know, prior to the prior to the draft. But you know, my agent is, is working for me, and he's really working on something after the draft. So, you know, I'm gonna just stay patient. I'm gonna just wait my time. Did you talk to Melo at all? Where did you see him at all? Yeah, I got to talk with him. I got to speak with him. Got to play against him. It was, uh, you know, he's my favorite player. So that was an awesome. That was a great feeling for for me, you know, just to be able to see my favorite player in the flesh and, you know, not on TV. I got to see him. I got to talk with him. And, you know, it was a great talk, and it definitely uh, brought my confidence level uh, skyrocket. Now, what kind of – did you get any advice from Melo? Yeah, he, he yeah, but, um, he was – when he was playing with us in the, in the pickup, he was just telling me that – um, he was telling me that I got a special first step in that – you know, I could score, I can get to the rack, and, you know, I can do all these great things with, with my with my first step and, and my talent attacking the basket. But then he also told me that, you know, it's, it's, some, it's some big boys in the NBA, so you want to make sure you got that uh, that pull-up jump shot. So, you know, he right. definitely has me in the gym working on my, my, my stop and pop jump shots. And, you know, and he just gave me the, um, he just gave me the confidence as in to tell me that, you know, I have I have I have a good shot at playing in the NBA. I just gotta tune tune up a little things in my game and I'll be fine. We're talking to former FIU guard Tymel Murphy and what was your reaction when you didn't hear your name on Thursday night? What was your reaction? What was going through your head? Uh, you know, it's just more motivation. It wasn't really no reaction. It was like, Okay, this is this chapter is done now, you know, move on to another chapter which is, you know, to stay motivated, stay humble, stay hungry, you know. Just, just my name being in the talks was a, a unbelievable honor for me. You know, being with my road and my journey to to this point. So, you know, I was just, you know, to the point where it was like, you know, it's okay. You know, I've seen a lot of players not get drafted and become superstars, and you know, you see players get drafted and next two years they're out the league. So, you know, it's really a hit or miss. You know, it, it would have been a beautiful thing to hear my name, but. It didn't happen, so I'm on. I'm moving on, and I'm just working hard, and then I'm just waiting for the next opportunity to come my way so I can take full advantage of it. Now, Ty Mel, there might be a lot of people out here who do not know your game, have not seen you play. What does Ty Mel Murphy bring to the table? Uh, he brings energy. He brings. He brings defense. He brings a high motor. He brings scoring when needed. You know, I can get to the basket. I'm a slasher. You know. Um, I know Anthony's my favorite player, but, you know, I really like to compare my games to uh, the, the, the Mono Ginobili's and, uh, okay. and the James Harden's because I can get to – I'm a left-handed player, so I really like – I really watch those guys and try to pattern my game after those guys. And, you know, so I think I, I, think I bring uh, a defensive edge to the, to the team, to, to an organization, and just being a high-motor player and just – just the passion and the love for the game. Now, Tymel, you are a six-five guard, and I saw a man last year, two seasons ago, I should say, you had a 24-point, 20-rebound performance. Talk about that performance. Talk about that game. Oh, um, well, that game was uh, that game was really um, motivated by um, my coach at the time, Coach Coutinho, because prior to that game, I had a uh, I had a zero rebounding effort against uh, Middle Tennessee, and uh, Coach Patino really broke it off on me. He got on me hard, and he told me I was unacceptable. So, you know, it was it was fresh off the new year, and I just told myself, you know what, today I'm going to go out there and I'm going to grab every rebound for this man and for my teammates. 
And, you know, I just let the game flow. And before I knew it, I had 20 rebounds. So it wasn't really nothing that I thought about going out there and doing. It was just something that was just flowing with as part of the game that day. Now, what do you feel like you need to do to be successful in the next level? What do you need to improve on? Oh, I need to improve on my, my, my ball handling and just being a consistent shooter from the outside. You know, I think every other part of my game is, 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 is on another level where I can entertain the NBA or overseas or, or D-League or whatever it can be. But I think, you know, being able to make sure I hit, I'm able to hit the open shot and Making sure I have a consistent jump shot outside, outside, um, in the mid range, in the three point range. But other than that, I feel like you know I'm ready at every other attribute of my game. But being able to shoot and being able to be at full advantage with my ball handling. We're talking to former FIU guard Timel Murphy and Timel. You talked about Richard Patino, your former coach at FIU, and how much he's improved helped you improve your game. Talk about that. Talk about what Richard Pitino did for your game. Uh, Richard Pitino, he, he really helped me calm calm down, you know. Uh, and, and it's ironic uh, me saying calm down because he was always excited and he was always, you know, uh, his system is very, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. But I, I'm talking from a, a mind aspect. A mind, a mind aspect of where I was able to just calm my mind down and just be able to focus and understand the things that he was trying to teach me and the things that he was trying to get through to me at the time of him being my coach, you know. And then when he, um, when he had got the job at uh, Minnesota, you know, all I could do was say, uh, say, damn, like he, he doesn't, um, he's not going to be able to see me. He's going to be able to see me improve, but I wanted to see. I wanted him to see me improve under him. But, you know, I, I really worked on so much things. You know, my defense wasn't as good as it was it is now when when he first took the job at FIU. You know, I made sure I worked on my defense, got a lot better with my defense. But he just helped me think the game through before I, you know, come out and speak or come out and say anything. He just helped me think a lot of things through, you know. Definitely. And, and it just worked work extremely hard, you know, work your hardest. He just told me to just work extremely hard, go out there, and play hard, you know. Sometimes I come out a little, a little, a little timid, a little, you know, rushed, a little anxious. But he just tell me just play hard, even if I make mistakes, just do it playing hard. For sure. Now, if the NBA does not happen for you this year, you're you're willing to go overseas, willing to play in the D League or whatever league you need to play in to get to the NBA. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, like I said before, you know, the NBA is my dream. You know, but, you know, I just want to be able to play the game of basketball. You know, like the NBA will always be my dream, my dream goal. But, you know, I I have, you know, to look at it from a standpoint as I'm still going to be able to do the things that I love to do, which is to play basketball, no matter if it's in the States, no matter if it's overseas, no matter, you know, no matter where it's at, you know, I just want to be able to play basketball. So, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to be able to one day play in the NBA. And, and if it's going overseas for a year or two or, you know, D-League or whatever case may be, then that's what I'm willing to do. But I'm going to keep working my hardest. You know, I'm not going to let what happened on Thursday, you know, stop me from accomplishing my dream. I will one day play in the NBA. For sure. And 
I'm on your Twitter page, and I'm seeing hashtag 99 moves. What's that mean? <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, it's um, it's basically, you know, it, it's 99 moves, man. It, it says it itself. You know, one thing don't happen, you go to the next thing, man. You know, we it's it's not it's not a it's not a in one basket thing over here. You know, if one thing don't happen, then we move on to the next. You know. You just you just right. you just break obstacles. You find ways to you know get over things. And man, you know, move is is a uh, is a movement that I joined simply because guys wanted to help me in my adventure and trying to be the best I can be in joining the NBA. And I saw 99 moves. I'm thinking you know 99 moves to the basket or or you know 99 moves to score a basketball. All that it means. All that it means. All <laughs> okay. that. You know, okay. All right. <laughs> Fans, <laughs> make sure you check this man out on Twitter at Ty Crane 15. That's T Y E C R A N E 15. And support all the great things going on with Ty Mel Murphy as he journeys on uh, and tries to journey his way to the NBA. Ty Mel, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Man, thank you so much. I really, truly appreciate it, Paul. No problem. Take care. All right. Thank you, sir. Ty Mel Murphy, former FIU guard, Florida International, as he goes on and, and, and tries to make his way to the NBA. Didn't get his name called, but as I said before, a lot of people don't get their name called. And as he said, a lot of people do get their name called and are you know, out of the league right away or out of the league right away, or out of the league in a year or two. So uh, the bottom line is this, and Carl Landry, perfect example of this. Guy went undrafted, but he found a way to get to the NBA, and that's what Tymel Murphy has to do. He has to find a way to get to the NBA. He has to find a way. And as he says, maybe... He doesn't go to the maybe he doesn't go to the NBA right away. Maybe he takes the, a different route to the NBA. Maybe he goes overseas. Maybe it's the D League. Maybe it's something. But hopefully he can get himself an opportunity to get to the NBA and you know have a successful career. Thank you, Time L. Murphy, for stopping by. <clears throat> As we go on in the show, and, and you know. Obviously, the NBA free agency is big and hot and heavy, and I talked about this before. I tweeted this out this week. Here's the thing about the NBA, NBA free agency. Here's, here's if you're Adam Silver, if you're everybody there at the league offices in New York City, you're right now, you're, you're dancing in the streets, you're celebrating, you're laughing, you're having a good old time because you know what? You know what? Here's the reality of your situation. Here is the reality of your situation. Back in 2010, when LeBron James was a free agent, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all those boys were out there. Remember that? And how much attention it got? I mean, people were talking about the NBA deep into the summer. And that's what you have four years later. You have Kevin Love, who, who knows where he'll land. Obviously, he's not a free agent, but he might, be, he might get traded. We'll see where he lands. Obviously, 
LeBron James is out there. Bosh Wade probably will be out there. Melo is out there. Carmelo Anthony. These guys are out there. And these guys are big-time players in the NBA. LeBron, arguably the best player in the NBA. Melo, arguably top ten in the NBA. Kevin Love, maybe the best power forward in basketball. Chris Bosh, still a very good power forward in this game. All of these guys, you know, these guys are free agents. These guys, now, there's a possibility that these guys could be switching teams. But you know what? Here's the thing. We're still talking about it. The NBA season's over. The draft is over. We're still talking about it. And that's going to continue to happen deep into July. We're going to be talking about LeBron James. Where is he going to go? Where is he going to do to get better? We're going to keep talking about it. Carmelo Anthony, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, back to New York, to Miami. Where does he go? Where does he go? We're going to be talking and talking and talking and talking some more. I can't wait. I'm enjoying it, man. And this is going to be deep into the summer. Deep into the summer. And you look at the situation with the New York Knicks. If I'm mellow, I mean, obviously they traded Tyson Chandler this week and Raymond Felton. But if I'm mellow, I'm looking at the roster and Phil Jackson is telling me he can't do anything for me until next season. So after next season. So I'm 30 years old, and I've got to go through another season of uh, a season that I know I can't win a championship. I know I won't be able to win a championship. And I know the Knicks are talking about trying to get their hands on Pal Gasol. But they can't, they can't offer him no more than $4 million. Does Pal take that? Does Pal take that? I don't know. I mean, that's a big t- – you know, that's – I would think he would be able to find – Something more financially. I mean, he's won a title. He's won his title already. So at this point, you would think his intent was to try to find a where, someplace. I, don't, I mean, and maybe he still wants to try to shoot for an NBA title. Maybe that's still his goal. Maybe he goes back to the Lakers. Who knows? But whatever his motive is, whether it's financial or winning, do you think going to the New York Knicks will allow you to win this year? I mean, Gasol doesn't have a lot of basketball left. He doesn't have a lot of basketball left. So I don't know, in terms of going to the New York Knicks, if that's going to get him an NBA title, ever. And I look at Melo, and and my thought is, well, Carmelo Anthony, you're not going to be able to win with the New York Knicks right away, as far as I'm concerned, there's no guarantee that you will be able to get the free agents that you need in 2015 and beyond to win a title. There's no guarantee. I've said this before. Phil Jackson, a great coach, but has never been an executive. And Derek Fisher, Derek Fisher a guy who's had success in this league and won titles as a player, never been a coach in this league, never been a coach in the NBA. So the bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. 
Do you trust that these guys can do their jobs and do their jobs well? I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. I, I don't know if you can trust that these guys, Fisher and Phil Jackson, can get you a title and bring you the players necessary to get you a title. I don't know. But I look at the New York Knicks, and especially, and I know the Knicks can offer him the most money. You know, and, and money is money. You know, they can offer him the most money. And, you know, that, that's big. They can offer this man the most, more than anybody else. No team out there can can give Melo five years, $129 million. No team. The most he could get is four years at $95 million. So you're talking about $34 million left on the table. That's a lot of millions. $95 million is a lot. But $129 million is more. $125 million is more. So with that being said, with that being said, he has a decision to make. What drives you? What moves you? What's more important to you? Is it money or is it championships? Is it money or is it titles? What is more important to Carmelo Anthony? And that's the question he's going to have to answer. What is more important? What moves you? I know money moves a lot of people. Money moves a lot of people. And, again, $34 million is $34 million. And that's a lot of money. There's really no getting around that. That's a lot of money leaving on the table. That's a lot of money and maybe, you know, Here's the thing, and you know, here's the thing. When, and that's just, I think this goes for anybody. But obviously, when you're at your job, you want to enjoy your job. You you, you want to obviously you want to be compensated very well for it, but you want to enjoy it. You want to be able, you want to be happy getting up every day and going to work. That's the kind of happiness you want in life. Now, if you're Carmelo Anthony and you you know you're in that five year, hundred twenty nine million dollar deal. You know, you're, you're enjoying them. Obviously, you get millions and millions of dollars, lots of money. Money can, they say money can't buy happiness, but it sure kind of helps it. You might not be able to buy it alone, but it sure helps. It's a step in the right direction, I would think. But anyway, you're enjoying all your millions of dollars, but at the same time, and enjoying all your millions of dollars, you're going every day to the office, which is your, it's the basketball court, and your team is losing. Night in and night out. Your team is unsuccessful. Your team stinks. Your team is not competing for an NBA title. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much money you're making, that's got to be pretty frustrating. That's got to be pretty frustrating. And so the question becomes $95 million, $129 million. On the surface, obviously it's a no-brainer. Financially, you've got to take not the the hundred and twenty nine million dollars. You got to take it. This is your last chance in a lot of ways to get that big payday. 
This is your last big payday. This is your last big payday. And so, with that being said, do you try to get that that big money? Or and no matter what, ninety five million and hundred twenty nine million, it's all big money. But hundred twenty nine million is a lot bigger than ninety five million. And also, thirty four million dollars to thirty four million dollars, you're gonna do a lot of things with thirty four million dollars, and you could uh, finance and, and help generations of generations of Anthony's moving forward. You definitely could, and you could also help generations of Anthony's with ninety five million. You can, but my question becomes, what's more important to you? Is it rings, legacy, or is it the money? Because I don't believe the New York Knicks, and, there's no, and I'm not saying they can't, but there's no guarantees that you'll get your hands on a Kevin Love, a LaMarcus Aldridge, a Rondo. There's no guarantee that you'll get your hands on those guys in 2015. There's no guarantee. I mean, the Knicks, I said it before. I said a few weeks ago, the Knicks fought back in 20. You know, they, they tried. They wanted to put themselves in position, get themselves a lot of cap space for 2010. Amari Stoudemire. Guess guess what? That's gotten the Knicks nothing. Nothing. A guy that's been in and out of the lineup. A guy that's been injury prone. A guy that really has not in a lot of ways, earned his money. That's what you've gotten with Amari Stoudemire. So the problem, the question becomes, where does Melo go? The Bulls situation looks pretty good, if if that can happen. Chicago looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. And obviously, you know, you you, you got a guy who's pretty serious uh, about Finding a, a, a different, I don't know, I don't want to say find a different situation, but pretty serious about thinking about his options. And here's the thing about life. Here's the thing about life. You want to have as many options as possible. Options in life are, are great, are, are beautiful. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They're great. You always want to put options, give options. You want to always want to have options. You don't want to, uh, no one likes to be forced in a lot of ways, to do something they really don't want to do. They want to have op- want to have options. Men cheat because they want to have options. People cheat on their significant others because they want to have options, because they want to have more. But life is about options. And, you know, the more options you have, sometimes the better your life is because you have so many options, so many things to choose from. So Mello who was scheduled to make $23.3 million this season with the New York Knicks if he would have stayed in the contract. Obviously, it's about him finding options for himself and, 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 and finding out what is the best situation for him. And as we said, he has meetings scheduled. Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Lakers. And this is said that this is said to be happening before the 4th of July. So he has meetings with all those teams. Does he go to Dallas and team up with Dirk and and Tyson Chandler? 
I think if he's smart and, you know, it's about winning titles and getting to the NBA Finals and beyond, I think he will stay in the East. Because the West, if he goes to Dallas, you add Melo to the Mavericks, you still have to go through San Antonio. You still have to go through the Clippers. You still have to go through Houston. Memphis is tough. I mean, you still have a lot of teams that you have to go through, a lot of teams. And getting through those teams won't be easy. It's a tough task. It's not an easy feat to get through the Western Conference. It's almost like going through the gauntlet. It's almost like going through the gauntlet in the Western Conference. I mean, you look at, I'll give you a perfect example, you look at San Antonio's run. I'm going to compare runs here. I'm going to compare the Miami Heat's run to the NBA Finals, and I'm going to compare San Antonio's run to the NBA Finals. And when you look at those two runs, it'll, it'll have you saying, okay, maybe Melo does need to stay out east. Look at San Antonio Spurs, who they had to go through. They had to go through a 49-win Dallas Maverick team, and that happened to be the eighth eighth seed in the Western Conference. The eighth seed won 49 games. You had to go through that. After that, after getting through that, you had to go through the Portland Trailblazers, a 54-win team. 54-win team. So 49-win team in the, in the Mavericks and a 54-win team in, in the Portland Trailblazers. And then in the conference finals, you had to go through OKC, which is a 59-win team. That's rough. That's the gauntlet. And they got through the gauntlet, and they got to the NBA Finals, and oh, by the way, they beat up on the Miami Heat. Beat up on them. Let's look at the Miami Heat's run to the NBA Finals. Charlotte Bobcats, 43-win team a team that had a hobbled Al Jefferson, that was easy. The Brooklyn Nets, a 44-win team, you go through them, you plow through them, beat them in five. And then the Indiana Pacers, yes, a team that won 56 games, but a team that was a totally different team in the second half of the season and into the playoffs. You get through them, and ultimately you get to the NBA Finals. So my point is this. If you're Carmelo Anthony, just looking at the landscape of the two conferences, a Western Conference where seven of the eight teams in the playoffs won 50 or more, and the Mavericks were the eighth seed and they won 49 games, darn near 150. Do you want to do that? Is that the route you want to take if you're Melo to the NBA Finals? Or do you want to go through the Eastern Conference where the, Indiana, the Atlanta Hawks, the final seed in the conference, was six games under 500. Six games under 500. And two teams with 50 or more wins in the playoffs compared to seven teams in the West. So the point I'm trying to make is this. If you're mellow, I think your best interest is to stay out east. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe go to Miami, take less money, team up with LeBron and them. 
Or maybe you go to Chicago. Team up with Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah. And I know Melo has been on record as saying that, you know, he really is a little reluctant to move his family, move his family from New York City to Chicago. His son, who's seven years old, he's reluctant to move him from out of New York City. I will say this to Melo, just giving you a little uh, advice, family advice. Um, you know, your son is seven. He's, he's, he's fairly young. So if you send him to Chicago, you can set up a decent decent enough life for him where, you know, maybe he'll be good enough. He'll be fine. It's not like you don't have the money to set up a good situation for him. It's obvious, you, you know, it's not like you don't have the money to set up a nice situation for him. You can't set up a nice situation for your son if one of your concerns is just uprooting your son. He's only seven. So, you know, he's young, very young. So we'll see. And Melo had this to say in an interview with Vice Sports. Quote, the average person sees the opportunity to say, Melo, you should go here. Melo, you should go there. He should do this. I think he should do that. They don't take in consideration the family aspect of it. Where are you going to live at? Do you want your kids to grow up in that place or that city? Do I want to stay the rest of my career in that situation and city? All that stuff comes into play. I mean, and it's, it's, these are legitimate concerns. I think everybody and anybody would have those type of concerns when it comes to the, you know, your family. And, you know, it's, it's natural. You do have to ultimately, when you have a family, you ultimately have to do what's best for your family. And Melo has to figure out and do what's best for his family. And sometimes family, sometimes people will, will take jobs in certain situations, not because they want to, but because they almost have to in some respect, because it's in the best interest of their family. It's in the best interest of their family to be in this situation or that situation, this neighborhood or that situation, or that neighborhood, this city or that city. I mean, it's in the best interest of your family. It may not be what you want, but it may be what's best for your situation. So, I mean, these are all things to take into account. I know his wife, Lala, who is from New York, and, you know, talk is she wants to stay in New York City. So, I mean, you've you got to do what's best with your family, do what's best for your situation. And, and we'll see how the situation plays out. We'll see where Melo goes. I, I'm leaning to Melo, if I'm going to make a guess, or a prediction, if you will. I think Melo goes to Chicago. I think that's the best situation for him, other than Miami. But I think Chicago is the best situation for him. If I was going to put it in order, Obviously, an opportunity to play with LeBron James, I think that's one. An opportunity to play in Chicago, stay in the East Coast, stay on the Eastern, stay in the Eastern Conference, and play with a stud in Derrick Rose if he can stay healthy. Joe Kim Noah as well. I think that's intriguing. I think that's something he should think about. And I think with the Lakers. Well, before the Lakers, I think Houston wouldn't be a bad situation if you could be teamed with James Harden in Houston and Dallas. Wouldn't be a bad situation either 
teaming with Dirk Nowitzki and Carmel, um, Tyson Chandler, your former teammate, Monte Ellis. So teaming with those guys, that's not a bad situation either. The Lakers situation, unless LeBron James is coming to L.A., I don't think it's a good situation. Kobe, two years left on that deal, that big deal that he signed, and I don't know how much good basketball Kobe Bryant has left. In his, I don't know how much Kobe Bryant has left in the tank. I don't know how much Kobe Bryant has in the tank. I don't think anybody knows how much Kobe Bryant has in the tank. So with that being said, I don't think... I, I think L.A. has to be last on your list unless unless LeBron James says he's going to L.A. And then I think, you know, we can talk about some things in terms and as far as the Lakers go. But that would be last on my list. Really would. It would be last on my list. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how this thing plays out. I know one thing that's going to be intriguing. And I know one thing. I wouldn't mind seeing a decision part two. Maybe Melo does a decision-type uh, show. Maybe. Maybe LeBron does decision part two. I doubt it. But I wouldn't be, you know, here's the thing. I remember four years ago when that decision happened. And where I was, I was at a birthday party for, you know, a little kid's birthday party with my children. And when that happened, when that decision show came on, I believe it came on at 8 o'clock Eastern time, um, you know, I cleared my schedule to see it. I, I made it my business to get over to my house, and it was a neighbor's house, a neighbor was across the street. I made it to my business to get home and watch the show, LeBron's decision show. I, I, I made it my business to get over there and watch it. I, I needed to watch it. I had to watch it. I had to get there. And I made it my business to do so. And... I watched the show. It was must-see TV for me. It, it truly was must-see TV for me. I was interested in what I saw. Very interested in what I saw. So to me, I know, you know, LeBron got a lot of backlash because of that show, and I know LeBron was public enemy number one for a little bit because of that show. And, you know, I, I don't know if his image has truly, truly recovered from it, from it. I mean, obviously winning the two titles has helped his popularity. I can't say definitively that his image has recovered from it. I don't think it has. I think there's a lot of people that still hate him because of it. And I've always been on record. Charles Barkley, I know Charles Barkley's been on record as saying this, and I've always been on record as saying the same thing. I would love LeBron James to return to Cleveland. I never wanted to see LeBron James leave Cleveland. I really didn't. I was hoping that he would stay. I was hoping that he would stay. I really did. Ultimately, he did. But I was hoping he would. I was hoping he would. And I felt, unless he was returning to Cleveland, the decision show was a bad idea because of the backlash. Because, you know, you're leaving Cleveland, a a franchise, a city that is starving for a winner. The Browns stink. The Indians haven't really been that great. And the Cavaliers had some good times, but it's been a lot of lean times with the Cavaliers over the years. A lot of lean times. So the point I'm trying to make is this. 
I think it would have been great. The decision show was great. I wouldn't mind seeing decision part two. I don't think we will, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. Maybe Melo comes up with a decision show. But I thought, again, if LeBron was going to do the decision show, he should have returned to Cleveland. If he wasn't going to do that, if his intentions weren't to return to Cleveland, he should never do the show. A lot of backlash because of it. Again, he survived it. Was public enemy number one for one year. But now people love him, but people are still going to hate him, and people will continue to hate him because of the decision he made to have the decision show. We'll see what happens, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, you know, I, I can't state how excited I am. I'm truly excited by the possibilities. I really am. Going back to the NBA draft, a lot of talk was about Andrew Wiggins. No, not Andrew Wiggins, the player. Not Andrew Wiggins, who some believe can be a stud and a star on the next level. Not the number one pick, Andrew Wiggins. Not what he can do on the field, on the court. But the talk was about his suit jacket. The suit jacket that he wore for the NBA draft. I got to say, it was a little loud. It was a little different, but I liked it. I liked it. I mean, it, it showed personality. It showed uh, flair. I liked it. And I guess, you know, judging by some of the tweets that I'm seeing, some of the things on Facebook and social media, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. I mean, I thought it was out of the box. And, you know, who life is too short to be in the box. Life is better when it's out of the box. You have more, more fun when it's out of the box. When you're doing the things that you like and wearing the things that you like, and you're doing things different. You're doing things that everybody else doesn't do. Who wants to be the same? Same is boring. Different is better. Who wants to be different? That's a good thing. I mean, the jacket's a black jacket here. Um, white design, I guess that's a floral type design. Did I see here and I saw? I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't really break it down, but I definitely liked it. I thought it was nice. I thought it was nice. I thought it was, you know, it was a good situation for Andrew Wiggins. He's number one pick. He had a big time suit jacket. Life is good. It's good to be Andrew Wiggins. It's definitely good to be Andrew Wiggins. Also good to be Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph, who decided to stay in Memphis, decided to opt in for this season. He will make $16.5 million. Ultimately, he's opted in to make that $16.5 million. But he's also, he also re-upped for two years after that at $20 million. So Zach Randolph is staying in Memphis. You know, there was some talk maybe Zebo would would opt out and, you know, maybe he would go elsewhere. But Zach Randolph is a key guy for the Memphis Grizzlies, a key guy. In, and you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, you look at um, the finals, the Western Conference, I mean uh, uh, the second round of the NBA finals, and that was the first round actually, where Zach Randolph, game seven, this guy 
suspended for Game 7, it was, it was a totally different game. I mean, it was a totally different game, and obviously you knew that Memphis really had no shot without Zebo. Mike Conley was beat up too, but no Zebo. You knew they had no shot, but Memphis took OKC to seven games, and then a year ago made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. And Zach Randolph is a big reason why. His versatility, his shooting ability, his rebounding, his work in and around the basket. You, you always look at Zach Randolph and you try to figure out how he does the things that he does. I mean, how is this guy, and this is since 19, this was since 2009. Since 2009, Zach Randolph and 339 games with the Memphis Grizzlies is averaging 17 points and 11 rebounds. How is a guy who can't even jump over a phone book get those type of numbers? How is a guy, a guy with, with his athleticism getting those type of numbers? How? How is he doing it? And, you know, obviously he's finding a way to do it. He's finding a way to score around the basket. Can't jump, not very athletic, but still finds a way to score. Still finds a way to get it done, even with his athleticism or lack thereof. He finds a way to get it done. And he's going to go back to the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's big for the Memphis Grizzlies. How about the World Cup? You know, we've got a few moments, few moments left. The World Cup. And, you know, the United States ultimately, they lost to Germany. But because of point differential, we're able to make it to the, to the knockout round, the final 16 of the World Cup. And I got to say, I mean, I'm still, you know, a lot of people are watching soccer and talking about soccer. But at the same time, at the same time, I still can't get into it. Still having a hard time getting into it. It's just not that exciting to me. Not enough points. Not enough action. It's just back and forth. But there's really no action to speak of. I don't think. I don't see it. But, again, I'm not a big time. And I heard somebody say this. Look, it's like baseball. Like, a lot of people don't like baseball if you never watched it because at times, you know, baseball can drag. The game can be boring at times. I love the sport, but the game can be boring at times. But I heard a guy say, once you know the rules and everything, you be, you begin to appreciate it a little more. And maybe that's the case with soccer. Maybe if I continue to watch it more and understand it more, know the rules a little better, maybe I will be able to truly appreciate the beauty of the sport of soccer. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't think so. But, you know, obviously the U.S. has a big game on Tuesday. And if they can win it, if they can, here's the thing. Let's just say the U.S. won the World Cup title. We'd be talking about it. We'd be celebrating it. But I think soccer would go back into its hole in the United States. I mean, I know soccer is gaining popularity. It's gaining steam. I know a lot of people, are, you know, a lot more people are watching it. I understand all those things, but... At the end of the day, this is about patriotism. This is about, you know, fans, you know, supporting the flag and cheering for the flag more so than cheering for the players on the field. I mean, you know, a lot of people, again, soccer will go back to its hole after the World Cup. And, again, it is gaining popularity. But at the same time, people aren't going, aren't going to be talking about soccer the way they are right now. It's kind of like the Olympics. You know, we, we talk about, you know, ain't nobody watching uh, the luge after the Olympics, no one's watching those things. No, I mean, not too many people are watching figure skating as much as they watch it during the
the Olympics. It's just not happening. I want to thank Malcolm Jenkins for stopping by. Make sure you support all the great things going on with Malcolm Jenkins. Also, Tymel Murphy, former FIU guard. Hopefully he can get a shot in the NBA or, or overseas. And also I want to thank uh, Nick Toon for the New Orleans Saints for joining us. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgam where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGame. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.